chapter seventy of the history of pendennis this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. the history of pendennis by william makepeace thackeray chapter seventy in which pendennis counts his eggs our friend had arrived in london on that day only though but for a brief visit and having left some fellow-travellers at an hotel to which he had convoyed them from the west he hastened to the chambers in lamb court which were basking in as much sun as chose to visit that dreary but not altogether comfortless building freedom stands in lieu of sunshine in chambers and templars grumble but take their ease in their inn pen's domestic announced to him that warrington was in chambers too and of course arthur ran up to his friend's room straightway and found it as of old perfumed with the pipe and george once more at work with his newspapers and reviews the pair greeted each other with the rough cordiality which young englishmen use one to another and which carries a great deal of warmth and kindness under its rude exterior warrington smiled and took his pipe out of his mouth and said well young one pen advanced and held out his hand and said how are you old boy and so this greeting passed between two friends who had not seen each other for months alphonse and frederick would have rushed into each other's arms and shrieked ce bon coeur ce cher alphonse over each other's shoulders max and wilhelm would have bestowed half a dozen kisses scented with havana upon each other's mustachios well young one how are you old boy is what two britons say after saving each other's lives possibly the day before to-morrow they will leave off shaking hands and only wag their heads at one another as they come to breakfast each has for the other the very warmest confidence and regard each would share his purse with the other and hearing him attacked would break out in the loudest and most enthusiastic praise of his friend but they part with a mere good-bye they meet with a mere how do you do and they don't write to each other in the interval curious modesty strange stoical decorum of english friendship yes we are not demonstrative like those confounded foreigners says hardman who not only shows no friendship but never felt any all his life long been in switzerland says pen yes says warrington couldn't find a bit of tobacco fit to smoke till we came to strasburg where i got some capital the man's mind is full very likely of the great sights which he has seen of the great emotions with which the vast works of nature have inspired it but his enthusiasm is too coy to show itself even to his closest friend and he veils it with a cloud of tobacco he will speak more fully of confidential evenings however and write ardently and frankly about that which he is shy of saying the thoughts and experience of his travel will come forth in his writings as the learning which he never displays in talk enriches his style with pregnant allusion and brilliant illustration colours his generous eloquence and points his wit the elder gives a rapid account of the places which he has visited in his tour he has seen switzerland 
north italy and the tyrol he has come home by vienna and dresden and the rhine he speaks about these places in a shy sulky voice as if he had rather not mention them at all and as if the sight of them had rendered him very unhappy the outline of the elder man's tour thus gloomily sketched out the young one begins to speak he has been in the country very much bored canvassing uncommonly slow he is here for a day or two and going on too to the neighbourhood of tunbridge wells to some friends that will be uncommonly slow too how hard it is to make an englishman acknowledge that he is happy and the seat in parliament pen have you made it all right asked warrington all right as soon as parliament meets and a new writ can be issued clavering retires and i step into his shoes says pen and under which king does bazonian speaker die asked warrington do we come out as liberal conservative or as government man or on our own hook hem there are no politics now every man's politics at least are pretty much the same i've not got acres enough to make me a protectionist nor could i be one i think if i had all the land in the county i shall go pretty much with government and in advance of them upon some social questions which i have been getting up during the vacation don't grin you old cynic i've been getting up the blue books and intend to come out rather strong on the sanitary and colonization questions we reserve to ourselves the liberty of voting against government though we are generally friendly we are however friends of the people avant tout we give lectures at the clavering institute and shake hands with the intelligent mechanics we think the franchise ought to be very considerably enlarged at the same time we are free to accept office some day when the house has listened to a few crack speeches from us and the administration perceives our merit i am not moses said pen with as usual somewhat of melancholy in his voice i have no laws from heaven to bring down to the people from the mountain i don't belong to the mountain at all or set up to be a leader and reformer of mankind my faith is not strong enough for that nor my vanity nor my hypocrisy great enough i will tell no lies george that i promise you and do no more than coincide in those which are necessary and past current and can't be got in without recalling the whole circulation give a man at least the advantage of his sceptical turn if i find a good thing to say in the house i will say it a good measure i will support it a fair place i will take it and be glad of my luck but i would no more flatter a great man than a mob and now you know as much about politics as i do what call have i to be a whig whiggism is not a divine institution why not vote with the liberal conservatives they have done for the nation what the whigs could never have done without them who converted both the radicals and the country outside i think the morning post is often right and punch is often wrong i don't profess a call but take advantage of a chance parlons d'autres choses the next thing at your heart after ambition is love i suppose warrington said how have our young loves prospered are we going to change our condition and give up our chambers are you going to divorce me arthur and take unto yourself a wife i suppose so she is very good-natured and lively she sings and she don't mind smoking 
she'll have a fair fortune i don't know how much but my uncle augurs everything from the begum's generosity and says that she will come down very handsomely and i think blanche is devilish fond of me said arthur with a sigh that means that we accept her caresses and her money haven't we said before that life was a transaction pendennis said i don't pretend to break my heart about her i have told her pretty fairly what my feelings are and and have engaged myself to her and since i saw her last and for the last two months especially whilst i have been in the country i think she has been growing fonder and fonder of me and her letters to me and especially to laura seem to show it mine have been simple enough no raptures no vows you understand but looking upon the thing as an affaire faite and not desirous to hasten or defer the completion and laura how is she warrington asked frankly laura george said pen looking his friend hard in the face by heaven laura is the best and noblest and dearest girl the sun ever shone upon his own voice fell as he spoke it seemed as if he could hardly utter the words he stretched out his hand to his comrade who took it and nodded his head have you only found out that now young un warrington said after a pause who has not learned things too late george cried arthur in his impetuous way gathering words and emotion as he went on whose life is not a disappointment who carries his heart entire to the grave without a mutilation i never knew anybody who was happy quite or who has not had to ransom himself out of the hands of fate with the payment of some dearest treasure or other lucky if we are left alone afterwards when we have paid our fine and if the tyrant visits us no more suppose i have found out that i have lost the greatest prize in the world now that it can't be mine that for years i had an angel under my tent and let her go am i the only one ah dear old boy am i the only one and do you think my lot is easier to bear because i own that i deserve it she's gone from us god's blessing be with her she might have stayed and i lost her it's like undine isn't it george she was in this room once said george he saw her there he heard the sweet low voice he saw the sweet smile and eyes shining so kindly the face remembered so fondly thought of in what night watches blessed and loved always gone now a glass that had held a nosegay a bible with helen's handwriting were all that were left him of that brief flower of his life say it is a dream say it passes better the recollection of a dream than an aimless waking from a blank stupor the two friends sat in silence a while each occupied with his own thoughts and aware of the others pen broke it presently by saying that he must go and seek for his uncle and report progress to the old gentleman the major had written in a very bad humour the major was getting old i should like to see you in parliament and snugly settled with a comfortable house and an heir to the name before i make my bow show me these the major wrote and then let old arthur pendennis make room for the younger fellows he has walked the pell-mell paved long enough there's a kindness about the old heathen said warrington he cares for somebody besides himself at least for some other part of himself besides that which is buttoned into his own coat for you and your race he would like to see the progeny of the pendennises multiplying 
and increasing in hopes that they may inherit the land the old patriarch blesses you from the club window of bases and is carried off and buried under the flags of st james's church in sight of piccadilly and the cab stand and the carriage is going to the levee it is an edifying ending the new blood i bring into the family mused pen is rather tainted if i had chosen i think my father-in-law amory would not have been the progenitor i should have desired for my race nor my grandfather-in-law snell nor our oriental ancestors by the way who was amory amory was lieutenant of an india man blanche wrote some verses about him about the storm the mountain wave the seaman's grave the gallant father and that sort of thing amory was drowned commanding a country ship between calcutta and sydney amory and the begum weren't happy together she has been unlucky in her selection of husbands the good old lady for between ourselves a more despicable creature than sir francis clavering of clavering park baronet never legislated for his country broke in warrington at which pen blushed rather by the way at baden said warrington i found our friend the chevalier strong in great state and wearing his orders he told me that he had quarrelled with clavering of whom he seemed to have almost as bad an opinion as you have and in fact i think though i will not be certain confided to me his opinion that clavering was an utter scoundrel that fellow blundell who taught you card-playing at oxbridge was with strong and time i think has brought out his valuable qualities and rendered him a more accomplished rascal than he was during your undergraduateship but the king of the place was the famous colonel altamont who is carrying all before him giving flies to the whole society and breaking the bank it was said my uncle knows something about that fellow clavering knows something about him there is something louche regarding him but come i must go to berry street like a dutiful nephew and taking his hat pen prepared to go i will walk too said warrington and they descended the stairs stopping however at pen's chambers which as the reader has been informed were now on the lower story here pen began sprinkling himself with eau de cologne and carefully scenting his hair and whiskers with that odoriferous water what is the matter you've not been smoking is it my pipe that has poisoned you growled warrington i'm going to call upon some women said pen i'm i'm going to dine with them they are passing through town and are at a hotel in jermyn street warrington looked with good-natured interest at the young fellow dandifying himself up to a pitch of completeness and appearing at length in a gorgeous shirt-front and neckcloth fresh gloves and glistening boots george had a pair of thick high-lows and his old shirt was torn about the breast and ragged at the collar where his blue beard had worn it well young un said he simply i like you to be a buck somehow when i walk about with you it is as if i had a rose in my buttonhole and you are still affable i don't think there is any young fellow in the temple turns out like you and i don't believe you were ever ashamed of walking with me yet don't laugh at me george said pen i say pen continued the other sadly if you write if you write to laura i wish you would say god bless her from me pen blushed and then looked at warrington and then and then burst into an uncontrollable fit of laughing i'm going to dine with her he said i brought her and lady rockminster up from the country to-day made two days of it slept last night at bath i say george come and dine too i may ask any one i please and the old lady is constantly talking about you george refused george had an article to write 
george hesitated and oh strange to say at last he agreed to go it was agreed that they should go and call upon the ladies and they marched away in high spirits to the hotel in jermyn street once more the dear face shone upon him once more the sweet voice spoke to him and the tender hand pressed a welcome there still wanted half an hour to dinner you will go and see your uncle now mr pendennis old lady rockminster said you will not bring him to dinner no his old stories are intolerable and i want to talk to mr warrington i dare say he will amuse us i think we have heard all your stories we have been together for two whole days and i think we are getting tired of each other so obeying her ladyship's orders arthur went downstairs and walked to his uncle's lodgings End of chapter seventy